Psalm 65, verses 11 through 13. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. No wonder they shout uh, um, for joy and sing, because... (laughs) This is one of the most, uh, for me, one of the most compelling, beautiful, uh, inviting passages in all of the Psalms. I discovered it a long time ago. And uh, I, this whole Psalm 65 is important to me, but I, these verses just remind me, they're identic. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they describe the world not as storms or anything, but as sheer beauty. And it sort of mm-hmm. resembles the world of Eden. And so I wrote, uh, uh, I just want to do a short part of this, uh, about this in Signpost. Picture the Shire in Tolkien's <laughs> Lord of the Rings. It is a gentle and bounteous place where the hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. But right below the surface of this peaceful and pleasant image lies the ominous presence that threatens the very existence of the idyllic shire. The gathering menace promises the desolation described by the prophet Jeremiah. The ruined city lies desolate. The entrance to every house is barred. In the streets, they cry out for wine. All joy turns to gloom. All gaiety is banished from the earth. The city is left in ruins. Its gate is battered to pieces. So it will be on the earth among the nations. And that's Isaiah uh, 24. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just want to say one thing about it. It's such a contrast, but the biblical contrast is just as great. Yeah, so you're pointing that out because um, obviously the Edenic description here of this beautiful flowering garden that's not all there is to the world and that's kind of what you're getting at here right that there's a sin there's a brokenness there's a fault line under the whole scene is that what you're pointing out well i mean i i'm you know when i read the bible i have a knowledge of history uh, going Mm. way back and history tells us man without god is man at war not only with one another, but with nature itself. So I'm, I'm sort of indicating the reality the Bible provides us that outside the human, the, we were cast out of Eden. We were cast out of this, but God did not separate mm-hmm. us from uh, what was. And so when we see mm-hmm. it in nature, maybe a beautiful spring day like today, uh, you know, it's, it's, the Bible is dealing with these conflicting ideas of reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I'm getting. No, I get it. That's great. I I love, we talk often about the, the word pictures or the little scenes that scripture shows us. And there's one in here in this Psalm 65 verse that I want to focus on for a moment. It's right at the beginning of, of the reading. It says, you crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The Psalm writer wants us to see a, almost like a wheeled cart going into 
the market or coming from the fields. And it's not, it's not a scarcity mindset. It's not like there's just enough in there to get by for a day. No, it's overflowing with abundance. And I'm focused on this because this is the God that I'm, I think, getting to know more as I get older, the God of abundance, the God who just over blesses. Um, I'm obviously aware of the thing that you're pointing out too, that that's not all there is to the story. It's not just Eden, but I think the reason that I'm focusing on it is I, I think I grew up with a scarcity mindset. I didn't really think, I didn't think of God as over blessing and the God of abundance and the God who was just, could be so generous. You know, I grew up in a Dutch, a Dutch town and a Dutch household. You know, the joke, don't you? How did copper wire get invented? How? It was two, two Dutch people fighting over a penny. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, you know, I grew up with just kind of a scarcity. You just save money and, you know, especially with the church, churches never had did anything lavish or abundant, you know, and, and that was kind of my view of God as well. But now as I am getting older, I'm just seeing that he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's, he's spread the stars into their places in the universe. He can afford it. He's bountiful. And not only in these material examples that I just gave cattle and stars, but with his grace, you know, as Tim Keller points out, he's the prodigal father. It's his prodigal giving of grace that really is the highlight of that story. And prodigal, it's not, it's a common word for people that read the Bible because of the, uh, of the mm-hmm. uh, parable. Mm-hmm. However, prodigal, does that, is that synonymous with abundant? I think so. Overgiving, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It was used to describe the son who was, you know, squandering. He spent all the money, right? He he was prodigal. But the father's grace is really the thing that gets spent that we should focus on. It's the abundance of God. That's the key word, uh, his grace. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's provided. Here's the thing that's so weird. It's provided it's available to every one of us. Mm, mm-hmm. And yet we think of our abundance as being coming from ourselves hmm. in a funny kind of way. The, the financial markets, uh, you know, the, the, the supermarkets, all of the America is abundantly abundant mm-hmm. uh, with things. Even now when the, the economy seems to be turning south a little bit, mm. um, that overabundance is an assumption but actually it's a call hmm. a call to grace and yes, you know. uh you know i think all i would say if at some point the lack of abundance in your life may tune your ears to the song that is grace mm. beautiful beautifully said 